0: That we both got our ARDC shirts on, man. Be repping it.
1: This is our. These are we call these our legends tees.
0: The legends tees. Yeah, because it looks like the Run DMC logo. That's, Yeah, we were. We were. I was like. I was like. These look like. So I. I.
1: I. I I Welcome.
0: on everybody my name is martin young you're watching get Wrecked. i'm here today with a very special guest Uh, but before i introduce him yes we are wearing the exact same shirt no this was not planned yes aaron gave it to me but hey you know it shows up it works out we'll run with it so without further ado aaron fisher how are we doing
1: man hey good how are you thanks for having us today
0: no yeah the the pleasure is mine i'm super excited to have you on today's show um, man, we'll hop right into it. Tell me a little bit about what we got going here because this is not quite run DMC with the logo. No. This is what we call ARDC. that's. Correct. Um, Atlanta Rescue Dog Cafe. Um, and I met you uh, not too long ago, maybe a little bit less than a month, um, your passion uh, behind what you're doing and everything you've got going on. It was It was inspiring. You can just tell the second that you meet you know you it's, this, is, this is you and this is what you care about, this is what you love and it's your passion. So, man, if you could hop right into it for us, that'd be great.
1: So, thank you so much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Um, Basically, Atlanta Rescue Dog Cafe is a humane education nonprofit. We don't take in, we don't adopt out animals. Our whole mission is through our humane education, our pet therapy, and our community building initiatives to teach people, and especially kids throughout the community, how to be safe and kind to animals, how not to get bitten, and then how we can responsibly care for pets in a way that prevents animals from ever entering shelters and thus becoming rescues in the first place. Um, Before this I had actually taught elementary school and both worked and volunteered in shelters for twelve years and all my kids, third through fifth grade, either loved animals wanted to learn about them. I called every shelter, every rescue and none of them had education programs and I thought we're missing an opportunity to develop that next generation of kind and caring, Responsible, you know, animal welfare advocates and pet owners. Or my kids had the opposite experience. They'd been bitten. Okay. They were scared of dogs. They threw rocks at animals at the bus stop just to protect themselves. And I taught here in southwest Atlanta. And unfortunately, a lot of dogs they'd walk by were chained up and would bark at them. And it really scared them. So I realized that if they weren't learning at home and they weren't learning at school, where were we otherwise going to break that cycle? right. And so that kind of happened simultaneous to my um, both volunteering and then eventually working in animal shelters. And when I stepped back and thought about it really critically and very honestly, I realized that every shelter and every rescue kind of does some semblance of the same thing. We take in, we adopt out, we say, help us save more animals. And to the public, that means help us take in more, not help us keep more pets in homes, off the streets, and reduce our intake. Right. So that's kind of what inspired um, Atlanta Rescue Dog Cafe, which has now been in operation for about four and a half years.
0: When one of the cool things that I think, in, in an innovative new way, you're trying to help bring that conversation to light and solve, solve right. that problem and be preventative so much more right. than being reactive to a dog coming in. So elaborate a little bit on how you guys work to bring, you know, push out that message and kind of actions that you take where you are teaching people about how to take care of dogs uh, when, it, when you're either a child or you know, when, it's, when you're grown up.
1: Right, so we thankfully have a, a tremendous amount of community support. We're really, really fortunate. We have about 100 total volunteers, uh, 55 of whom are our certified therapy dog teams. The dogs that are part of our program are actually people's pets. Mm-hmm. That they've gotten trained and certified slash registered to be therapy dogs, right. which means that they go out and bring joy and comfort to members of the public. So what we do is we partner with schools, boys and girls clubs, scout troops, libraries. We even go into homeless shelters. We bring our therapy teams in, and we teach them how to safely approach dogs. One of the, um, the tools that we use for the real little kids, we have a program called Can I Pet Your Dog? Where we bring in this great book called May I Pet Your Dog by Stephanie Kalmanson, And for children from three to seven or eight years old, we go in and as we're reading this book, the kids are sitting down in front of us and they're practicing coming up, interacting with our therapy dogs, asking, may I please pet your dog? Learning to put their hand out first, why we don't put our face next to a strange dog's face, um, what to do if we see a stray, and how to responsibly care for pets. Because from my experience in working in shelters for as long as I did, one of the things that jumped out at me was so many animals will get returned or brought into the shelter for quote-unquote not being kid-friendly. Sure. When in fact that wasn't the case, it was just the child you know, got in the dog's face when it was eating or the parents adopted the dog the night before and put it in bed with the kid for their first night sleepover. Sure. And the kid would have a nightmare or the the child would go to take the food away, the dog would snap, and then the dog would get returned to a shelter or worse, let go.
0: Right. At the end of the day, I mean you know, I talked about this like when you see a dog or when I see a dog, I mean, my first reaction is to go up and right. think they're so cute. Um, but as a kid, you know, I maybe yeah. could comprehend and be able to analyze a situation whereas like I should probably not go and do that exact thing right, right now. Whereas a kid, you know, you just see dog you don't and know it's boundaries. it's a tug. You know, yeah. it's no there's there's you know, there's no kind of unless it's barking at you, like you said. But, but in general, just like in any circumstances, just, you know, all things equal. I mean, your first thought as a kid is like, I want to pet the dog. Um,
1: if you've had a good experience. If you, if you haven't, true. it might be to run. Right. Or we've even had kids who, unfortunately, just freeze. And they literally tremor. They, they shake. And it's really heartbreaking to see that. Uh, we even work with um, teenagers. Um, and this is through um, in Clarkston, Georgia, which has the highest density, pop, highest population density of refugees of anywhere else in the country so if someone has come here from Somalia Sudan Afghanistan a country where dogs might not be kept as pets all of Mm -hmm. a sudden they see a dog they might think it's feral sure we've worked with teenagers who are scared of dogs and through our program it's like their first time ever having a positive interaction with and petting a dog
0: at the end of the day, it's experience. That's right? exactly right, it's and like, building confidence. Right, hundred percent, and that just comes from more experience. That's the only way to build the confidence. Yeah, um, and, and I think one thing that um, we've talked about before, but I, I wanted you to point out was when you look at and you look at Atlanta and where you have vets or anything yeah. across the Atlanta area. You know, you've seen that. Obviously, um, you know, there's been more veterinary, you know, I guess what's the... Uh, practices, practices or clinics? Practices, clinics, yeah. um, on the upper east, you know, upper side of Atlanta, where right. the, the underserved community, as far as like on the south side of Atlanta, you don't have as many. Right. Um, it's, which is where you might see more of the, the stray dogs, where no, they're not at, in home and they're out you know, that's, in the in the open.
1: That's exactly right. And we're not saying it's a cause and effect relationship. Right. Uh, and we we've done the research. One of our amazing interns, Isabel did this tremendous research project for us uh, that looked at all of Atlanta and basically found all the Googleable veterinary practices, and what we noticed was they skewed very heavily and disproportionately toward the northern parts of the city. We then broke down the map by zip code and then overlaid that with the number of vet practices that we were able to locate in each of those respective zip codes. We then added another layer to that, which was the median household income and found that the number of vet practices dovetails almost um, perfectly with the median household income so for example like you were saying if we're in a more affluent area uh, that might have a median household income of $80,000 or more sure we see a lot more vet practices if we're in the southwest of Atlanta uh, where it tends to be under 50 or $40,000 per year per household income we see almost zero and in some cases very very few vet practices and what we know is that uh, the number of strays increases exponentially in some of those underserved areas by veterinarians because a veterinarian doesn't just treat pets, they're also ideally a trusted source of education for the pet's parents, the humans. All right. Um, and this is by no means a, um, uh, an aspersion or disparagement of the vet, industry, of the vet care industry. What, what we are saying is that veterinarians come out of vet school with a lot of debt what we need to do is find a way to incentivize veterinarians especially young hungry veterinarians to set up clinics in these more underserved areas to hopefully provide more education to the families who want to take great care of their
0: pets absolutely
1: and hopefully help teach and encourage some of the practices that keep the animals off the streets and out of shelters for example walking a dog on a leash or making sure our pets are microchipped wearing collar with the id at all times that way if you know heaven forbid your cat gets loose, someone can easily see the collar and say, oh, this is March's cat. I can return the cat to him. As opposed to, it's a stray, just let it go. Just let it go,
0: right. And I think, yeah, a lot of that comes with people to say, hey, how do you make that work, right? Right. You know, I I don't want you to dive in. You know, you don't have to give me the full spiel, but I mean, what are some small things that you think, you know, you're taking action on where you can go to city councils or you could go to the the city of Atlanta or something like that, for
1: example? So, most of what we do is working directly with the community. Right. So, in the schools, in the libraries, uh, the community centers, the Boys and Girls Clubs, because, let's face it, adults are a lot harder to teach than children are. Children are much more impressionable, so by getting uh, to the kids when they're young, they often bring that message home to their families. The other thing that we do is we work directly with Pre-Vet students throughout the whole country and actual DVM or Doctor of Veterinary Medicine uh, students throughout the whole country, and even in Canada, one of the unintended consequences of COVID for us was pre-coronavirus, our programs reached on average, 500 participants a month in and around Atlanta, everything was done in person. Once COVID hit, we kind of had to scramble like so many organizations, businesses, nonprofits, we pivoted, started making our programs available virtually, and everyone was looking for some kind of virtual content. And geography didn't matter anymore. Yeah. So next thing we knew, we were being reached out to from um, Cal Berkeley's uh, Pre-Vet Society or uh, Texas State University's um, Pre-Vet Program or the Tuskegee University's uh, DVM Program. And we were able to actually get this idea and these messages out directly to the young up-and-coming veterinarians. And by the way, the pattern that we found to be the case here in Atlanta We've replicated those studies in Chicago, New York, and Philly, and one of our current interns is doing the same study for LA, and we're finding the exact same trends everywhere. So what we're trying to do with these uh, veterinary schools uh, is work directly with them to encourage them to either, A, increase the number of students that they're taking in to serve more, vet- more members of the community, because right now, we're only producing as a country about 3,000 vets per year. But seventy thousand, or seventy percent, rather, of all U.S. households have a pet. We're not producing <laughs> There's a lot more dogs and than cats. That's and everything Exactly like that right, and, pets. and there are a lot of underserved areas, both right. rural and urban. The other thing we're trying to do is encourage some schools to, just like with medical schools, um, offer you know, either free tuition or subsidized tuition for students who want to come in, you know, and, and get accepted to a DVM program, but don't have the money. That way they won't be saddled with debt to then be incentivized to set up a clinic in a very affluent area. Now they can serve wherever the need is greatest and make the, make the greatest impact.
0: Right. Because at the end of the day, you know, somebody comes out with $160,000 worth of debt. It's, (laughs) you've, you've got to make a decision for your life. That's exactly right. You've got to survive. A hundred percent. So you've got to go where you're able to get paid. But like you said, if you're able to work with these DVMs, you know, school programs Mm -hmm. that they've got and, and be able to kind of. Subsidized or for free, be able to do that. I mean, that's that's awesome, and it's it's so true. And I think, like you said, there, everybody, almost everybody I know has a pet,
1: and it only increased during the pandemic.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. No, people were like, I got to get me a dog. Right, I got I can't hang out with my friends. I I need a dog. No, a hundred percent. But I only know. Gosh, I can only think of of, of one girl that I know that is that is you know studying to be a vet right now, Um, and it's just it's incredibly versus like somebody like a doctor or something like that.
1: So we've actually done the research on this, and um, we've actually found that forty one percent of applicants to medical schools, you know, human medical medical schools, actually get in, and there are currently one hundred and fifty five med schools throughout the U.S. Right now, there are only 33 veterinary schools, and the acceptance rate to vet schools nationwide is only 11.7%. Is it so really? So it's incredibly difficult to get into vet wow. schools, which you know, is one of the reasons that it's so hard Jeez. to graduate veterinarians at the rate that's needed by society well, to yeah, care I mean, for the you've animals. Got,
0: you've got a fifth of the schools, and you've got a fourth of the rate of acceptance. Right, I exactly. mean, that is... That that doesn't make for, for, I mean, you you want want people to be legit. You know, you don't want people to just be going in and and not know anything about it, you know, sliding through and getting out and all of a sudden being a vet. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you've got to be able to. We have to meet the needs of society. If people want to be in there, you know, I feel like you almost need to find more of a way to to make that happen because there is such a need for it. Right. Right. Well, and so, you know, we talked a little bit, you know, we've got these leashes here um, and you talk a little bit about this and kind of some of the different things that you guys, you know, how how can we help impact your, what you're doing, you know, whether it's a therapy dog or like you said, I mean, with this leash.
1: Yeah. So we have currently eight programs that we offer for children as young as three, all the way up to, we like to say the youngest at heart when we go into our, uh, the senior care and assisted living facilities. Unfortunately, those were the first to go offline, will be the last to come back, you know, as a result of the pandemic, because we're dealing with some of the more vulnerable populations. But whether it's our Can I Pet Your Dog program, or these are part right. of our One Leash project, we get climbing rope donated to us, either from climbing gyms, it's considered no longer climbing grade, right. or when in the manufacturing process, if there's the slightest blemish, the whole cord would get thrown out. We either contact the climbing gyms or they get in touch with us. Mm -hmm. We collect the rope. We cauterize the ends to keep it from fraying. And since we started this program four years ago, we've kept 6,000 pounds of this material out of landfills. The kids and adults who make these leashes with us in our One Leash Project are learning all about a lot of the humane animal practices and responsible pet care measures that we can all take while they're making the leashes. And for the kids when they're making these, they're learning how to estimate, how to measure how to subtract, they write a little letter where they dedicate their lease to a special person or pet in their life and you can see on right. yours the card where it says the name of the child or children um, who made the leash. We then give these out completely free to police officers and firefighters and we train first responders how to help secure pets in emergencies and for the police officers what we do also is we work closely with the um, Atlanta's uh, anti-cruelty unit for their uh, Atlanta Police Department We've given them thousands of these leashes, so now when they see someone walking a dog off leash, instead of giving that person a ticket or saying, hey, come here, you know, let's talk, giving them a citation, right. now they have an opportunity to do some real community building and say, hey, you know, why don't you use this leash, and now it, it builds some trust between community and, you know, local first responders, police, firefighters that otherwise didn't exist previously.
0: And at the end of the day, I think that's what it's about, right? It's- yeah if people are talking about it it's going to be more top of mind and that's
1: exactly right and that's why we call ourselves a cafe because a cafe is not just a physical place where you go to get a cup of coffee or a latte it's also where conversation and community come together and so we look at the word cafe as having two meanings for us one it's a place where we're trying to generate change within the conversation and bring community together Mm -hmm. on behalf of both the pets and people uh, in the various neighborhoods in atlanta and beyond And then also our goal at year three, which of course 2020 was, was to open up a non-profit programming space with a little coffee counter so we could do these programs both in the cafe and continue to do those in the community. We've put that goal off until the end of this year next because the funding required, and let's face it, if we had had a brick and mortar, who knows if we'd still be in operation right now. Oh, that's true. So it turned out to be an unexpected blessing. blessing in disguise because it kept our... Our overhead to a minimum, but we've actually doubled our impact.
0: Well, and you know, so there's there's places that we can find you on social media and everything like that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get to that, but one thing that and the place that I met you at, where yeah. I first was at the farmers market over right. there at St. Phillips, um, and I think that's such a cool way that you know you're able to go to the community and. And people are walking by. I mean, talk to me. Have you been able to really connect with you know, the community that is over here in like, the Buckhead area by going to these farmer's markets?
1: Tremendously. Um, so we've been so fortunate to enjoy amazing support from uh, the Peach Road Farmer's Market, the Brookhaven Farmer's Market, um, as well as a bunch of the uh, amazing festivals that happen throughout Atlanta, whether it's the Kirkwood Spring Fling or the Ormwood Maker Fest or Virginia Highland Summer Fest and, and others like those. We have a presence at these. And at each of these festivals and farmers markets, we're able to do community outreach, interact with the public, get our literature and information in the hands of people, sell our sweet merch, yeah, accept donations, and get that conversation going. And, you know, one of, you know, and, and that's really helped sustain us. Um, one of the things that's really kind of uh, stood out to so many people when they've had a chance to interact with me, with our volunteers, our interns... One of the things that we tend not to think about or ask the question of is for shelters and rescue organizations, the incentive is always to show how many more animals they can take in on a financial standpoint. Okay. So they say to you, hey, Marchant, um, we took in 1,000 animals last year and you gave us $1,000. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. That was really generous of you. Right. But this year we're on track to take in 2,000 animals. They're going to come to you and say, can you help us with $2,000? Right. They never come to you and say, this year we're only on track to take in 25% of the animals we took in last year, so can you only donate 25% of what you gave us last year? Right. The financial incentive is misaligned with what the goal of every rescue and shelter should be, which is ideally to put itself out of business. You want a
0: home. Yeah, know,
1: we want to reduce the number of animals that come here because it means that every pet that's in the neighborhood has a loving forever home, The people have the means and the know-how to care for it and can do all that they can to keep it off the streets and out of... The shelters' facilities, right? So that's one of the things that really kind of resonates with people, and they say, "Oh, I never thought of that about it from that perspective." That really, you know, that makes a lot of sense.
0: Trust me, it did for me. (laughs) I mean, that was, I mean, the things that you were able to lay out so eloquently the first time that we met, it just made sense, right? You, you found a way to conceptualize it for people to kind of understand like that. Because at the end of the day, I always thought and not that shelters are a bad thing not at all they're a great thing thing. they're a necessity absolutely they are a necessity but i never thought that there's a place for what you're doing or it just never not that of course there's a place but i never thought about it right but there's such a it's such a great thing to be able to add to that space where you're able to have this conversation and keep pets out of the shelter because at the end of the day that's what we want the pet's going to much more enjoy their life in At a loving forever with home with three kids, where they can you know love on them all day, versus you know being stuck in a, a shelter, pen. yeah, or pen exactly. next to 20 other dogs that are barking. So.
1: Exactly, and we're not looking to replace um, or be a substitute for shelters. We're just looking to su- supplement what is already happening within the shelters and be that educational outreach within and throughout the community.
0: Well, look, I really appreciate you coming on and, and everything that you've said. Uh, it, it's all awesome, and I, I want to get it out to my community and start spreading it as much as um, I can. And I know sure. that you're already doing a fantastic job of Thank it. You. And, um, guys, if you want to see Aaron or come meet him, of course, at the – I mean, you've been doing the Peachtree Road Farmers Market for a few weeks now. Are you going to continue we, doing it throughout we, this? Uh...
1: Yeah, so we're, we've been there for a few years now. We okay. weren't there during COVID. Um, We're back there and happily ensconced in our place there. And other than when we have weekend programs or the occasional festival, that's pretty much where people can find us on Saturdays.
0: Absolutely. So, Peachtree Road Farmers Market on Saturdays. And where can we find you on Instagram or Facebook or anything like that?
1: We're at Atlanta Rescue Dog Cafe, and our website is therescuedogcafe.org.
0: Guys, go check them out. What they're doing uh, is unbelievable. And I know from the passion and everything that I can tell with Aaron. He's gonna keep going forward. So um, along for the ride, and Aaron. I really appreciate everything. Thank Thanks you so much. Thank you. Awesome. I appreciate it. Ooh, my ear. In that. I was Thank like, you. that's just a totally new way to look at things. Just click for. From-